0: Me. Hey Sasha, it is so nice outside. I am so excited. How excited are you? I'm so excited. I wet my plants. <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> it's spook hour. hour.
0: normal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies
1: this is sasha this is courtney coming at you from a different part of my house Ooh, but very as exciting.
0: always even if we're in a different part of our houses you can find us on the internet in the same place at Spoop hour <laughs> on twitter and instagram or email us at
1: spoophour at gmail.com that was a truly incredible segue i'm very proud of you oh hell yeah <laughs> you just like nailed that that's some like covid marketing language where it's like even in this time of social distancing when we can't be physically together. You can order our shit. (laughs) You can order our shit from the same place, online. I'm coming at you from a different part of my house. I will provide context. I should be able to edit out any noises should they happen. I apologize if my audio quality is a little weird. I'm in a bigger room. And basically, I'm the only one in the house. And Benedict, our himbo intern, who is a big dummy, just ate his dinner, and whenever he eats his dinner, he gets really fired up and wants to play, but he likes to play by roughhousing, and when he tries to roughhouse with Zelda, she's like, oh my god, he's gonna kill me. So, he's being particularly naughty right now, so I need to be within spritzing distance of both cats. Yeah, I just watched just the, a case. cat
0: stalk yeah, up stairs.
1: That was Zelda. Mm. Benedict is still down here. That's what's going on cool. in my house right now. Cats, you know. <laughs> Did anything spooky happen to you this week? Speaking of things that happen in places. You know, I'm not sure. <gasps> I I feel like
0: it's been in well, okay, it's been like intensely unspooky, but something sure. out of character happened to me this week wherein I got You got mad at the
1: cicadas that don't exist. No. Yet.
0: I weirdly got so productive that I have no more to plan for for the rest of the school year.
1: Wow. I look got at ahead you. of everything,
0: so all I need to do is grade. That's
1: <laughs> remarkable. You son of a bitch. Son of bitchy. Yeah, I watched him go up. <laughs> yeah, Benedict just went this
0: <laughs> Yeah, I someone pointed out to me like when the senior exams were and like when the underclass finals were, and then I like counted how many days that was and then how many like lessons I need to write, and then I was like, you know? What if I just got all this done now so that way I can, like, bask in my doneness for the rest of the year yeah, and just, like, amazing. use that to motivate me into the next six or seven weeks that we have left. And that's so I'm just really like, good. all right, it. I'm just going to do this and, like, I'm- rip open my sh- you know, like, <laughs> shirt <laughs> and, on and just pull out list. on my to-do list. Ugh. And it's so funny because, like, everyone on my teams were, like... Sasha, why did you make so much stuff? And I was like, I made materials for all of us. And they're like, when and how? And I was like, I don't know. I just did you it. Just did and they were like, like a boss? Oh my god, Sasha, please don't do anything the rest of the year. I was like, I can't now because I've done it all. I've already done everything. Yeah. So there's like a couple of things like left that I was like, oh well, I'd like to do this as an extension thing, or I'd like to do this as a you know additional thing. And my teammates were like, nope, we're doing it. Like D- don't, don't do anything. So I also looked into getting everyone else to do my work
1: for me. That's but fantastic.
0: Because I did all of the work.
1: <laughs> I realized that if you aren't on this video call with us, I said, I called you a son of a bitch in response to your news. Because <laughs> you did, if you're not on the video call with us, you did not see Benedict run upstairs after Zelda.
0: It's okay. So. You're going to hear me crunching on fruit in this audio when you're like editing and you'll be like, Oh, ah, yep. Sasha, you son and of a bitch.
1: You son of a bitch. It's, that's why I called you a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you. You did it, you old son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: how about you? I know you said that you had something spooky happen with regards to gardening.
1: Yes. So I have two spooky things that happened. One that is on theme for the theme of this week's episode, and one that is not on theme, in fact, is probably oh, wait. as close to, as you can get to being the opposite. What's up?
0: I saw you yesterday. That was spooky. Oh, yes, you yeah. did.
1: Mm-hmm. You did spook me. That's the third thing that spooked me. Mm-hmm. So... Sasha is amazing, and since I don't have an in-person job right now, because uh, I, I work from home, I don't have access to my printer, which is my works printer, because I don't need a printer. I very rarely need to print stuff, but I currently need to. Sasha is my printer, so as always, you printed something for me, and I was out and a boot doing errands yesterday, so I was like, I can swing by and get it, and you texted, and you were like, oh, we've got, we've got plans, so if we're not here when you arrive... I'll stick it to the door so you can just grab it. I'm like, great. So when I pulled up, I saw that it was stuck to the door. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, Sasha is at home. I must have just missed her. I'll just grab it off of the door and text, thank you. And as I was moving the magnet off your door, I was struck because, like, I wasn't even thinking, like, oh, maybe Sasha preemptively put it on here. I was mostly just thinking about how, like wow, Sasha's door is magnetic because she was able to stick this magnet to yeah. it. That's amazing. I wonder if my door's magnetic. So I'm just thinking about like magnets and doors and I like pull the paper off and then I hear like a scrabbling noise on the inside and I'm like, what's what's happening? I don't. <laughs> and I took a step back and that was when you popped up and I was yep. like, oh. Because <laughs> it turns out me. Sasha was home. It's Sasha. Yeah, I was Sasha. like, sh-
0: We were just putting the dog in her little kitchen corner, Mm -hmm. and, like, I had my shoes on and was, like, about to leave. (laughs) But, yeah, I was very happy to see you. But tell me about the other two spooky things.
1: Yes, so one is spooky, we live in the future, (laughs) I love it, and I'm very excited. I used some of my hashtag stimmy to buy a Roomba. (gasps) Hell yeah, Roomba! I mean, I don't have one, but that's awesome. As, as an individual, like, I have genuinely wanted a Roomba,
2: mm-hmm.
1: probably since around the time they were announced. I was like, that seems amazing. It just fucking vacuums for you, and you don't have to do shit. That's that's amazing. And living with two cats, like, the amount of fluff they both give off, it is shocking that they aren't both bald. Right. Like, and so, like, even with near constant sweeping, like, we sweep once a week, and then I do a big, like swiffer dry cloth sweep mm-hmm. swiffer wet jet combo like yeah. every other week and right. even still i was like barely keeping on top of it and so i was like i've had enough of this i'm sick of us fucking sweeping the house so i just i splurged and bought you know a room bus so and now a robot lives in my house <laughs> yay and her official name in my phone you're like Courtney. Why are you gendering the robot? I'll get into it. So her official name in my phone is Imposter because sometimes there's an app that you link to because you can like start it vacuuming when right, you're not right. home or whatever. But if it runs into an issue, like it, it gets stuck somewhere or like something gets caught in the wheel or something, it'll send you a little notification. So sometimes I get a notification on my phone that's like Imposter needs attention, <laughs> 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 which is fun. But unofficially, we call her Rebecca the Roomba because it speaks with a lady's voice. And it plays, like, a little cheery chime. So her name's Rebecca the Roomba. Aww. So a so spooky thing that happened to me is I now live with a, a robot, which is, you know, robot apocalypse times. But, like, I have seen her suck up cat toys and then panic. So, like, I'm not too concerned that she's no. going to turn on me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not a and robot then, that will turn on you. unless, no. Unless a piece of poop ends up outside of a... Oh, and then it smears it. And it starts it. smearing it. That's when the robot has turned on you.
1: Yeah. Fortunately, both of the cats can land their poops in the appropriate place. Yes. Obviously, with Zelda, it's never in question because she's very smart. But even the idiot intern. Yeah. He's got figure gonna it out. I was going to say,
0: like, in my situation, I have a dog who
1: Oopsies. occasionally
0: likes to go fetch a poop out of the litter Cat box. litter box.
1: Yeah. And that's then classic leave dog. it on the
0: carpet. And then you're just like, why? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I don't know. it seemed like the thing to do. It seemed like the thing I needed to do right now.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing that legitimately spooked me out last weekend, it was just before we had decided that we were going to do this week's episode on plants and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I woke up early because it sounded like one of my neighbors was mowing their lawn. And Mm -hmm. like, I call it a lawn. There is no house in my neighborhood except for maybe one or two that has any kind of, like, significant grass accumulated in their front yard. Like, it's all just, like, really narrow patches. Right, right. And I had actually recently contacted you about borrowing your weed whacker because I was trying to figure out what to do. We have such a small patch of grass that it's, like, it's stupid for me to buy a mower and deal with what is essentially a one foot by three foot patch of grass. Mm-hmm. But it's also dumb to like hire somebody just to mow this part of the lawn because it's going to take them like four minutes and like who's going to want to do that? And so I heard the noise going and I was like, oh, I'll have to figure out which neighbor mowed their lawn and ask them what service they use or like if they have a mower and if I can borrow it in exchange for baked goods, whatever. Right. And then we got up. And over the course of the day, I went outside to go in my car and run an errand. And it was our grass that had been cut. Oh, did your landlord do it? I don't think so, because I'm pretty sure they would have told us. Like, hmm. they, I would have like whenever previously, which granted doesn't happen very often. One of them's in town and needs to swing by for something. They'll send a text being like, hey, we're in the neighborhood. We got to come by for X, Y, or Z. Right. They said nothing. And I thought maybe it was like, you know, our one neighbor, our one by three foot patch of grass connects to their one by three foot patch of grass. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, maybe they were mowing and they were like, this patch of grass is so small, I'll just go ahead and do it. Yeah. But their grass is still long. So I have no idea who the fuck mowed my lawn. Huh. <laughs> it's very strange. I'm a, it would have to be, like, the landlord's got somebody to do it, but I can't imagine them not, like, telling us. Or, like, how did they know that the grass was getting long? <laughs> yeah. I, I know that in my parents-in-law's
0: neighborhood, the, there's just a company that the HOA uses kind of like our old neighborhood and yeah. they just don't announce like when it's happening it just gets done and so i wonder if that's just a thing that your landlord was like someone's going to take care of the lawn but they didn't like tell, tell us
1: yeah and like i could see it being that but as far as i can tell nobody else's lawn was mowed mhm and if it were going to be like a service i can't imagine they could hire a service Unless our landlords explicitly did it. I can't imagine any kind of, like, HOA signing up a neighborhood for a service that only one house on the street uses. Right, so that's
0: what I'm saying. It's probably just your landlord.
1: But then why didn't they say... Anyway, it really spooked me. I was like... (laughs)
0: it probably like, just didn't we,
1: occur to them because it's probably a
0: recurring service that like probably. and now that it's april and like the grass is growing back it's like april to november or something you're gonna yeah. have like once a month someone come by but that is spooky back
1: but yeah it just it got me be- <laughs> especially because that morning i had the thought of we should hire someone i was gonna hire somebody to do we have weeds in the backyard and a l- couple of weeds in the front so i was yeah. like, i'll just hire somebody to weed and mow the lawn and then they'll want to come out and work for like an hour and like get paid an hourly rate instead of coming out to be paid for, like, a 10-minute rate, which is stupid. Yeah. Who would want that? So, <laughs> literally that day, I had that thought, and then that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, what are we talking about this week? Other than me slowly but steadily losing my mind. Plants and stuff. Plants, plants. and shit.
0: Actually, so my my document for Google just says, soup, Spoop Plants and Shit.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, once again, my research got derailed by unexpected nudity. I'm really excited about this.
0: I've been thinking about this all afternoon, wondering, what does this mean? What
1: on earth could it be? Yeah. yeah I was like, what am I? Like, because I found a listicle of, like, plants that fit the description of plants I was looking for, and this was, like, the fourth item down, and I was like... I'm going to need to know more right this second, yeah and, adjust.
0: and so, today, and basically, like, doing our research for this topic today, we're looking kind of at, like, this central thesis of, like, how are plants used either spiritually or magically? And, mm-hmm. like, obviously humans depend on plants for, like, a wide range of needs, like... Food and medicine, fiber, you know, art, housing, ritual. Like, you build your house out of trees and you eat food that you grew and, you know, medicine out of, like, medicinal plants and that kind of thing. Yeah, like,
1: we all watched Captain Planet. We know why we need plants.
0: Right. And so it's just really interesting because, like, we're now trying to get into, like, okay, how have we used these plants, like, in magical ways or, like, medicinally? And over the centuries, like... Centuries and centuries and centuries, like, historically, anciently, you know, the these plants have kind of endured and been bred to do, like, specific things. And so, in ter- aside from, like, actually ingesting plants, some people also will, like, you know, craft magical amulets or, you mm-hmm. know, charms and, like, make incense and all kinds of things, potions, elixirs, perfumes, whatever, to help us, you know, Protect ourselves, keep ourselves healthy, be prosperous, get love and wisdom and, like, really anything imaginable. And I know, like, I, Courtney told me, like, what she was researching and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'll research, like, all these other, like, little plants and herbs and stuff. And then I realized we're gonna have to have, like, another episode where we talk more about, like herbs and food and shit because like yeah that there's just like way too much
1: <laughs> it's kind of it's it's one of the many topics we have come across where like we scratch the surface and realize that because this is something that has been around basically as long as people have had a consciousness mm-hmm. there's a lot to talk about in terms of folklore and mythology and magical uses because you know the longer and further you go back in history, the more like spooky shit there is to talk about. So yeah. we're definitely going to have to do multiple p- various aspects of plant shit. Yeah, like, like the plants
0: again, that I'm not going to get to talk about are like chamomile and rosemary and fennel and oregano and parsley. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's I like, found a
1: list of like food. seven Greek myths that r- rely on exclusively like a plant aspect or mm-hmm. something. And the surprise nudity just like completely derailed. Surprise I was nudity. like, I just, I closed the tab. I was like, I'm not gonna get to this. I'm so excited. So
0: we'll have to do another
1: episode. We're just gonna, yeah, we're, we're just gonna, gonna have, to have to do it. To, so, but also, I food is co- great.
0: We should just talk about. Yeah, food. we
1: love food. Like, th- there's a clip currently circulating Twitter from School of Rock, where Jack Black oh, mm-hmm. closes the scene by going, "I like food. Is that a crime?" And it's like, yeah, yeah, food's I
0: great. Mean, no, food's not a crime. And yeah, we like
1: that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Jack Black. Also, in
0: in recording our intro, I ate an entire thing of fruit salad that I was going to, like, True. snack on and then eat a little bit more for dessert and then, like, finish it out, like, later. I just horked down the whole thing. And you know what? I feel oh, great.
1: I had two Thin Mints, and I was like, I'm going to have one Thin Mint for the first part of recording and one Thin Mint for the second part of recording. And before you even logged on, I had eaten both. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, Food is great. Know, just, don't punish yourself for wanting food. Exactly. So I have plant folklore and like mythology involving plants and mm-hmm. stuff, and surprise nudity. Would you like me to go first or something? Yeah, second? you go first. I've got ornamental okay. plant lore.
0: Great. I'll also explain what's the difference between a shrub and a bush.
1: Ooh, that's helpful because I don't know. <laughs> Although did you see I think I sent it to you, but if not, I definitely retweeted <laughs> it. The best of next door Twitter account posted like, next door is the next phase of Yahoo Answers. Oh yeah. Because Someone posted something that just said, why did Sherb die? and it's a misspelling of shrub. <laughs> and and the body of the post is just like, Sherb die, but why? It's but great. Why? <laughs> so why did Sherb die? Why why does any why does anything die? I mean, if there's one question that you leave from this episode with having, like, <laughs> ask yourself, why Sherb die? Also,
0: you should follow Courtney on Twitter because she retweets really nice, wholesome stuff. I and do. And that aged well.
1: Mm-hmm. That aged well aged well. That aged well. So... Here's the thing. I know early days of Spoop Hour, I said, don't follow me on Twitter. And I stand by that. If you want like an extension of Spoop Hour, you're going to be very disappointed by my Twitter, which I mostly use, as Sasha pointed out, to retweet wholesome shit, because when I'm sad, I like to scroll through my Twitter feed and mm-hmm. like, look at cute animals and dumb puns and like, whatever. So if you are into that, absolutely follow me on Twitter. If you want more Spoop Hour content, you're not going to get any yeah, from Yeah,
0: follow, <laughs> follow, follow
1: Spoop Hour on Twitter. For that shit. Yeah, so, anyway, all of my research today comes from GardenersPath.com, Project Gutenberg from Gutenberg.org, Time.com, History.com, Encyclopedia.com, Wikipedia, give them some money, mm-hmm. TouchWoodForLuck.com slash AU, Medium.com, and PrettyOpinionated.com. And Pretty Opinionated is what absolutely derailed my research. So shout out to Pretty Opinionated for their top tier listicle that just... Wow chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. It was what I wanted without knowing that it was what I wanted. Yep. So, first sentence of my notes is, just in time to be a week late for 420 Blaze It, it's time to talk plant folklore. 427,
0: <laughs> we were stuck in traffic.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, <laughs> we did pick this topic on 420. Yeah. So. But it's
0: funny because... Courtney was like, oh, haha, but I'm trying plants, herbs, right? And then I sat there in front of my computer with Twitter open looking at her, like, looking (laughs) at the message for a while, wondering, huh? Because in my mind, I had just done, like, a lot of gardening, so I was like, oh, it's springtime, gardening, plants. Plants. It didn't even occur to me.
1: (laughs) it It is particularly funny because I have never in my life done weed. I have no interest in it. I have delicate baby lungs. And even now that edibles are a thing and it's legal where I live, it's legal where I used to live, I'm scared that I'm going to be one of the people that, like, if I do weed, I'm going to be super paranoid. And I have such bad anxiety anyway that yeah, I'm like, I to Yeah, I was like, going to say, you're I already paranoid about being it. paranoid. Yeah, I'm already a mess. I do not need any sub- support in that instance.
0: Yeah, I will neither so, confirm nor deny. Look, <laughs>
1: we're not here to judge. Eat your food. As do a, what you as gotta a, do. As if an academic
0: professional, def- I'm not going to say yeah. anything
1: but also like if you're looking to decriminalize weed which it absolutely should be decriminalized it should be legal everywhere because and you all know all
0: records should be expunged and
1: exactly people released. you can't make you can't make weed legal without releasing people who were in prison during the war and on drugs for having enough weed to sell fuck that shit no. like If your making weed legal plan does not involve releasing people from prisons, then your making weed legal plan is stupid, and I want to make it illegal just for you! And, yeah, it's
0: basically, you're only (laughs) trying to make it legal for white people.
1: Yes, which, as John Mulaney pointed out, it's always been legal for white people. Yeah. Don't woo if you're white. (laughs) So... Obviously, like we talked about, plants have been around forever, so it's only natural ha, 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 <laughs> that they find their way into Dang mythology it. around the world. Yeah, that's the kind of shit you can expect from my Twitter. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> don't don't get excited. <laughs> so let's get into plant-based mythology. In my notes, because I was feeling spicy, I put, it's like the beyond meat of the mythology world. <laughs> it's plant-based myths. So, knocking on wood as a medium stitious person i will still genuinely knock on wood depending on what i am saying and how scared i am of jinxing it like me too particularly lately when talking about like oh when it's safer to do stuff i'm like knock on wood knock on wood Wood, knock on on wood wood, knock knock on wood wood." like Mm -hmm. please for the love of god let this end someday but why do we knock on wood why do we say it where did it come from we just don't know like, truly. So it's one of those things that, like, has been around as a phrase so long that nobody is kind of sure where or how it started because it predates, like, written-down mythology. Mm-hmm. So the strongest theory that most historians and folklorists are going to point to is that ancient pagans in Germanic cultures believed that protective spirits, including fairies and dryads, lived inside of trees. So by knocking on or gently touching wood, you would wake up said spirits and request good luck or or distract the evil spirits lurking around you because they'd be like, oh shit, there's about to be some good spirits now. Mm-hmm. I gotta clear out. Oh shit. Huh. If you wanted good luck for a specific task or favor, so like, let's say, you know, I I have a test to mm-hmm. take, right? And I want it for a favor. So what you could do is go up to a tree, politely mention your request. So in my fictional instance, I'm gonna go, I'm taking a test. If I could get a B or higher, I would really appreciate it. So you ask nicely. Then you touch the bark to represent the first knock, Mm -hmm. then wait a moment for the luck or favor to get going, then touch the tree again to thank the spirit for helping you out. Oh. Alternatively, by knocking on wood, you cover up what you're saying so evil spirits can't mess with your plans. I put it in my notes, my mom always said it was because the evil spirits lived in the woods, so by knocking on it, you scared them away and they couldn't mess with you, but apparently that was just a my mom thing. I did oh. not find a record of anybody else believing that. Oh,
0: interesting, your mom just got it kind of swapped.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I don't know if I, mom, I know you're listening, if yeah. you could tell me Hi, who's told you that. Hi, mom. Um, email spoofpower at com. Or message us on Patreon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Speaking anyway. of emailing us, I did ask one of my coworkers to email us because I, I, I try not to share my podcast with too many people I work with, although Same. I know that, Julia, hi, you work with, you listen to this. But she's also my best friend. Yeah, um, it's different. <laughs> yeah, but my team teacher is going on a ghost tour in... Ooh somewhere down south. I was like, if you learn anything good, please, e- I'll give you the email to my podcast. Please email us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will say thank you to those of you who emailed us about cicadas, especially the person who genuinely made me laugh out loud who was like, what the fuck is the deal with cicadas? I have no idea what you're talking about and I can't find any record of what happened in 2004. That made me laugh out loud. <laughs> like, no joke, I, elo- I just guffawed. It's like we just had
0: like this like, collective
1: like fever dream fever of like dream cicadas. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're coming it's gonna be great so i'm gonna say all my yard is just like covered in
0: cicada holes right now they're mm-hmm. ready to come out it just got yeah. a little cold this week but yeah. it's coming
1: so a storm's a coming a storm's a coming i'm gonna say three weeks from now it's gonna be cicada central okay that's what i'm guessing cool i don't know anything about anything but uh, It's just my, like that's... trying to
0: bet on the snack. It You can't. Exactly. You can't. You don't
1: know the garbage people who are voting that week. Yeah. So they'll come when they come. Anyway, back to knocking on wood. Knock on wood. Knock. We'll stay on topic. <laughs> As with a lot of pagan traditions, guess what? It got folded into Christianity. Oh. So specifically, the wood was thought to represent the wood of the cross. And thus, by touching it, you are requesting God's protection. Mm-hmm. This was also extended to carrying a bit of wood in your pocket as it could work the same way as carrying a small crosswood and thus would oh. bring you luck. But knocking on wood is a tradition found worldwide, often crossing geographical and ideological boundaries. This is why it is so hard to get to the bottom of where it came from, because gotcha. it is it's everywhere. You can't just pinpoint it to like one specific region Ooh. that told everybody else about it. Wow. So, various knock on wood phrases appear in Arabic speaking countries, Brazil, the Czech Republic, Finland, India, and Greece, to name a few. Sweden and Trinidad and Tobago put a bit of a spin on it. For mm-hmm. the former, the phrase is pepper, pepper, tai tra, mm-hmm. which, or sorry, I think it's tai tre, which means pepper, pepper, touch wood, where the double pepper is being used to ward off tempting fate. It didn't get into why that was the case, but you say pepper twice, and that means you're not going to tempt fate, and then touch wood. In Trinidad and Tobago, they have shortened it to just be pepper, pepper, still said while touching wood. So they use it to mean knock on wood, but it's specifically the pepper, pepper part of it. Okay. Which I thought was interesting. Huh. So that's that's the deal with knock on wood. So let's stick with wood for the time being and talk about the elder tree. (gasps) Yes! Genus Sambucus, the elder, was always associated with bad luck because it was believed that all elder trees had a witch living inside of them. Which, I don't know shit about plants, but I feel like that's a lot of witches to live inside trees. That's a lot of witches,
0: but also that makes sense why wands in the uh, Harry Potter series are often made out of elder.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because there are witches inside. There are specifically bad witches in like, focal or foreclore. i so,
0: so, con- like, now I'm just like, oh, let me think about the wood that's used in the wands.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> basically, because they were thought to have evil witches inside of them, there were certain things you were not supposed to do with elder wood. Specifically, don't use it to make a baby cradle, because if you do, the witch gets access to the baby and can cause them harm. So, it's kind of like a vessel for The witch to fuck with your kid. Oh yeah.
0: The elder wand is literally one of those Deathly Hollows objects.
1: Oh. Well, there you go. That's that's where that came from. (laughs)
0: Voldemort tries to use it and that's why it's bad.
1: Yeah. You're also not supposed to light a fire using Elder, so if you get a hold of that wand and you want to set it on fire, don't because the resident witch will get really mad about it and will likely curse you or inconvenience you in some way. If you plant an elder tree by your door, Anytime you open said door, the witch inside the tree can jump out and get into your house, which obviously you don't want. Right. And elders' bad vibes are particularly rough because elder trees kind of look like rowan trees, and rowan trees are incredibly good luck and can ward off ill will and black magic. So oh. be very careful when choosing your tree. Right. Because if you get an elder tree, you're fucked. If you get a rowan tree, you're good. Huh. So. Moving away from trees, let's get into some specific holiday mythology. So, in Norse mythology, mistletoe plays a crucial element in one specific tale. Baldur's mother, Frigg, or Freya, depending on the version of her name you see, Mm -hmm. goddess of love, used powerful magic to make everything grown on Earth swear it would not harm her son. So she went around to all the animals and all the plants that are on Earth to be like, bro, don't fucking hurt him. We cool? And they were like, yeah, we cool. But Loki trickster that he is finds the one exception frig specified plants that grow on earth. Unfortunately for the god Belder, mistletoe grows on tree branches not out of the earth. So it's kind of like the Macbeth not born of a woman uh, baby where it's mm-hmm, like a very or it's I a am technicality. No man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just
1: like a t- it's a folklore technicality, which should be the name of this episode as folklore technicality. technicality. I like that. <laughs> so Loki made a spear out of mistletoe, and it was ultimately used to kill Baldur. And fun fact, so my partner was recently watching a Let's Play of the newest God of War game, Mm -hmm. and at one point Baldur pops up, and your dude has to fight him. And I was watching it, and I was like, does your dude have mistletoe? And he goes, what? And I'm like, mistletoe's the only thing that can kill him. You can't kill him unless you have mistletoe, because this whole thing his mom did. And my partner was just like, I think the game is assuming you don't know that. (laughs) Anyway, so how did we arrive at kissing under mistletoe? Yeah, how? Well, much like how we arrived at knocking on wood, the answer is we don't fucking know. Damn it. (laughs) There's there's actually a variation of the Baldur myth where after he dies, the gods rally together to bring him back from the dead, and Frigg, in gratitude, declares mistletoe to be a symbol of love and promises a kiss to anyone who passes beneath it. because She's so grateful that her son is still alive. Wow. This is not a universally accepted telling, though. Some folklorists insist that the myth ends with Baldur's death. Like, mm-hmm. there, are, there's multiple versions where he just dies and that's the end of it. And we learn a lesson about, like, being very technical in <laughs> our designation of things grown on Earth. Yeah, seriously. In those cases, the kissing under mistletoe practice would most likely have originated sometime between 1720 and 1784 in England. Uh-huh. Possibly due to a poem that reads as follows. What all the men, Jem, John, and Joe, cry, What good luck has sent ye? And kiss beneath the mistletoe, the girl not turned of twenty. And I put in my notes, who allowed men? <laughs> How
0: dare they.
1: <laughs> first of all, she's not yet twenty. You stay the fuck away from yeah, her. First, you're of, all, ass man. You first of all, you stay the fuck away. One historian, Mark Forsyth, posits that the tradition originated with a quote, particularly lusty and inventive boy and a particularly gullible girl. And again, I put in my notes, what, so girls can't want smooches? It could have been an enterprising girl who knew that, like, the shackles of 18th century society wouldn't allow her to kiss a boy. Mm -hmm. So she would make up a folklore reason to be like, hey, you know, it's really bad luck if you don't kiss me under this mistletoe. Mm. For the most part, the practice is believed to have originated among the servant class in England before jumping to the middle classes and beyond. One variation of the practice says that you should pluck a berry for each kiss you get under the middle mistletoe, and that you only stop smooching when you run out of berries. And if you think about mistletoe, there's a good clump of berries yeah. in there. Yeah. So you could really do some smooching damage. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, again, it's probably just like teenagers trying to throw off the restrictions of their parents to be like, what if we smooch? <laughs> oh, I gotta smooch it once for each of these mistletoe berries. <laughs> what if we <I> smooched? <laughs> So, in the US, Washington Irving brought the practice over in his 1820 work, The Sketchbook, where he wrote of the mistletoe tradition he had seen during his time in England. And that we can trace it specifically in the US. It was that, that was where we got it from. Mm. Some of the romantic associations with mistletoe may have started with the Celtic druids in the first century. Mm -hmm. The druids believed that since mistletoe could blossom even during the depths of winter, it was to be revered as a sacred symbol of vivacity and used to restore fertility in humans and animals alike. Huh. Which is surprising because mistletoe is, you know, toxic. Yeah. Also surprising mistletoe was a pretty big deal in greece where they used it as a cure for everything including epilepsy ulcers menstrual cramps and spleen disorders but it's toxic again it, it is toxic so i am hoping they were not ingesting it but if it did maybe it would cure top? those issues because you would be dead and yeah. so like you don't have menstrual cramps if you're dead yeah so maybe it was
0: a topical ointment
1: maybe oh god and they just rubbed it on the p- i don't know i'm not from ancient Mm-mm. greece Now, let's get into the spooky and weird side of myths involving plants. Yeah, yeah. As always, our favorite Irish mythology brings us the Hungry Grass, which is a patch of grass that curses you with an incurable case of the munchies for the rest of your life. I love this because when I first read it, I assumed the grass was hungry and was going to, like, eat you if you, like, laid down and took a nap (laughs) in it. But it's the other way around. If you cross this grass, you're just going to be insatiably hungry until the day you die. That's going to be so annoying. Yeah. Depending on which version of the myth you hear, the hungry grass got to be that way either due to a curse laid on it by the presence of a corpse that was not administered last rites or because it was planted by malicious fairies who just wanted to fuck with people. Mm. Those malicious fairies, man. Classic fairy Classic behavior. Malicious fairies. <laughs> Slavic mythology brings us the Chernova ruta or fern flower. Mm-hmm. The fern flower blooms only on the evening of the summer solstice, and if you find it and pick it on that night, you will be granted extraordinary good luck that brings you wealth, fame, and the ability to talk to animals. But If you want to seek out the fern flower, you must be very careful because it is guarded by evil spirits who do not want you to get it, and if you pick the flower and acquire riches, you will pay a terrible price to the evil spirits. Oh, (laughs) jeez. So, Mm. be aware. In medieval Arabic folklore, you have al-wakwak, or the wakwak tree, a spooky plant named for the mythical place it was found. Wakwak as a nation was women only, with a queen and handmaidens ruling, with no men to be found. So how did they continue their genetic line? Like, where did all the future ladies yeah. come from? That would be the wok walk, walk tree. Little children grow from the tree, and when they are ready to be born, drop to the ground and emit a cry that sounds like, Wok-Wok, walk, walk, giving it its name. <sighs> There's also an Andalusian version of this myth that states that humans stay in the tree until they are fully grown, beautiful women, and that's where beautiful ladies come from. Oh. They literally grow on trees.
0: Amazing. I wish I grew on the beautiful lady tree.
1: Don't we all? But we are beautiful. (laughs) We grew on the cool, funny, smart, and also gorgeous lady tree. That's true. That's where we came from. That is where we came from. You (laughs) heard it here first, folks. You're all from that tree, too. It's great. So, you know how we did two episodes on vampires because there was so much vampire folklore and we're like, surely we've gotten most of it. Yeah, no. We did not get most of it because there is the vampire pumpkin coming from the Balkan region. Oh
0: my God, it's too spooky. (laughs) It's
1: a pumpkin and
0: a vampire.
1: Hold on to your britches. It is too spooky for Halloween. To create a vampire pumpkin, you leave a pumpkin or a melon on the vine overnight during a full moon it would then transform into a vampire which you could spot by a telltale spot of blood on its outer shell. What the Once fuck? the transformation is complete, all the vampire pumpkins on the vine will roll together to form a huge mass and shake, and the sound is described as brrr. So if you hear that on a farm, it's the mega vampire pumpkin mass coming for you it's the great pumpkin charlie brown (laughs) (laughs) so the great vampire pumpkin mass will then move as a pack around the farm and cause mischief unlike regular vampires though they aren't super dangerous like i couldn't i don't think they drink human blood i think they just like mess with stuff and but where did the blood come from courtney
0: the spot of blood (laughs) where did the spot of blood come from
1: Maybe the thing I read was written by a vampire pumpkin who wants us all to, like, lower our guard and be like, vampire pumpkins aren't dangerous. It's They're not going to hurt you. Show us your neck. It'll make for a funny picture that you can post on Instagram. And you can, if you are confronted with a vampire pumpkin, they're pretty easily dispatched, provided you have access to this already. You just drop them in a pot of boiling water, which seems like a very easy way to be killed. But now that I'm thinking a vampire pumpkin wrote this, like, if I encounter them when I'm on a farm, what am I going to do? Be like, hold on. I need to build a campfire, get a pot. a a pot up Mm -hmm. with water, stick it on my campfire, wait the hour for it to start boiling, and then be like, all right, now you can go. Splash. Come on. Mm -mm. All right. A German explorer named Carl Lietzsche created, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, created an infamous hoax in the late 19th century about the Madagascar tree. Carl Lietzsche kind of sucks, so I don't care if I get his name right. Okay. He claimed that during his travels in Africa, he had witnessed a tribe perform a religious ceremony by feeding a human sacrifice to the tree. The tree, which was like a cross between a Venus flytrap and a squid monster, because it's instead of branches it had tentacles, uh-huh. it tore the man to pieces before consuming the bits, in reality, this was probably just to otherize Africa as like a wild and godless place that absolutely needs white people to colonize. Oh, but it really took off among the sci fi writers at the time, and man eating trees became a trend. Like, if you've ever read a book from like early 1900s mm-hmm. that is about man eating trees, this is where that came from. Great. Now, I told you that my research kind of got derailed by surprise nudity. Yeah, Did so where is the surprise nudity? It's in the Seychelles.
0: Seychelles? Se-sh- Seychelles.
1: Seychelles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, however you say it. I didn't think to look that up. It's there. Yeah. There is a native palm tree called the Coco de Mer, and it bears fruit that has a very distinctive shape, making it prone to myths. Specifically, depending on your perspective... Buttocks? It, it looks like a shapely buttocks or a belly-slash-thigh-slash-vagina region combo.
0: Amazing. I thought
1: I genuinely thought this was the work of some horny sailors that were like... That I looks like a sexy treat. woman's butt. I want to fuck that. I want to fuck that nut. But then Wikipedia had receipts.
0: Oh no! That's someone's It
1: one hundred percent looks like a sexy butt. It's a
0: sexy butt. <laughs> they want to fuck that nut. They
1: want to fuck. They want to fuck that nut. So, one of the earliest legends about this fruit involves a fun fact about its density and the way it behaves. So, unlike a coconut, the Coco de Mer fruit is too heavy and dense to float. So, when it drops from the tree, it sinks to the seafloor. Sorry, so it's a hefty say, It's butt. too dense to fuck. It's just Not it's float. too thick. It's too thick for the ocean, so it just drops to the seafloor. Oh, the my sea God. Floor. Too thick for the ocean is also a contender for the episode title alone. Oh my god. <laughs> it's <so> poor technicality. <laughs> so after some time in the ocean, its husk will drop off, which makes the internet float, and then it gets washed ashore in faraway lands that would not be familiar with the Coco de Mer. Because remember, the Seychelles were largely like they were largely uninhabited right. for most of human history. Like, comparatively, it's pretty recently that they had people. Mm-hmm. So Malay seamen would see the coco de mer nuts falling upwards from the seabed because it would look like, you know, when a coconut drops, it looks like that, but in reverse. Uh, So they thought that they were the fruit of an underwater tree, which led to the tree's name, which means coconut of the sea in French. So they thought there's some underwater tree, and this is its fruit that it's dropping. The coco uh, de mer was believed to be the home of the rock which we talked about in the bird episode that's that giant bird that sometimes eats people uh-huh. and elephants so some priests in africa believed that the coco de Mare trees could grow so tall as to reach above sea level and when that happened the waves caused by the trees would prohibit ships from passing and thus allow all the sailors aboard to be eaten by the rock now, let's talk butts and horny sailors. I will say when I started this part of my research, I thought for sure they were going to be like, this is part of a sexy mermaid. Like, I thought 100% that was where we were going with it looking like a butt.
0: Yeah. It wasn't. The, but also no. mermaid, mare. Yeah, because it's C. C. Okay, wow, I just yeah. put that together. I yeah. took one year of French and I did not enjoy it.
1: Sacre bleu. <laughs> the archaic botanical name of the Coco de Mer is from Greek words meeting... Beautiful rumps. <laughs> Beautiful rumps. Also a contender. <laughs> I know, for the episode title. There's so many good ones today. Sailors would collect the shapely butts and sell them in the Middle East and Europe for a huge price, but it's unclear if there was any folkloric purpose to the fruit or if it was just because people wanted to own a butt-looking thing. I just want a
0: decorative butt to display. I just want a
1: decorative butt to show people. I don't know. Huh. So I'll spend a bunch of money on it. In the Maldives, if you found washed-up cocoa de marinettes, you were to give them directly to the king, and if you kept them for yourself instead, it was punishable by death
0: that king wants to fuck that nut
1: <laughs> that king is like only i can fuck the nut bring me the fuck nut or you're gonna regret it fuck nuts
2: <laughs> One
1: portuguese historian of old claimed that the coco de mer had mystical healing powers superior to even those of a bezoar which we know people mm-hmm. use to like absorb poisons and he said that the nuts were an antidote to all poison so if you had a coco de mer nut you were good. Like, nobody could poison you. Wow. Once the Seychelles were discovered, the myth that said the Coco de Mer grew on the seafloor died because they discovered the real trees, which grew on land. Mm -hmm. But then they discovered a very fun fact about the Coco de Mer tree. So there's a huge difference between female and male Coco de Mer trees. Like, I know a lot of the times, to the naked eye, you can't tell the difference between, like, is it a a female tree, is it a male tree, what's the deal? Mm -hmm. So... The female Coco de tree is the one that produces the shapely butts. The male Coco de tree grows a catkin instead of the shapely butt nuts. Once again, Wikipedia provides receipts for the sauciness of these trees. So on the one side, you will see the shapely butt. And on the other side, you're going to see the catkin.
0: Oh, it's oh. a
1: fucking dick.
0: It's a wiener. That is a it's- spotted dick. Oh, my <laughs> God. My eyes. That's right.
1: <laughs> the catkin is a straight-up dick with little nubs on it. <laughs> it's
0: a dick tree. There is it's an a ass tree and a it's dick
1: a- tree. So what a world what is- we live in. It's truly what a time to be alive. Wow. Now that we know this, so nature is crazy. If you see a sexy butt slash vagina tree, and right next to it you see a straight-up penis tree, there's only one conclusion to draw, and that is this: those trees that are going to fall. Yep, on stormy (laughs) nights, those trees make mad passionate love to one another, to make little baby trees. As the legend goes, once a stormy night rolls in, the male trees will uproot themselves to approach the female trees, presumably being like, come here often, or what's your sign? And then, if you try to stay out during the storm to spot the sexy tree show, you run the risk of either going blind, which is the best case scenario, (laughs) or dropping dead because yeah, it is too be, much for human eyeballs that,
0: that's not suitable for human consumption
1: no, no. they're like you must be like, at least 600 years old to see this show oh my
0: god okay Jack just are texted you... me because I think he heard me yell that <laughs> is a wiener. a wiener that is a spotted dick <laughs> 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 that's incredible that like so, you are you ready oh for the god. best part yes that's not. There hasn't been a best part yet, because this whole thing has been the best part.
1: That's, that's true. This, the whole thing has been best parts, but this is the cherry on top of the best part. This legend could be true, because to this day, we do not know how they pollinate. We don't understand the pollination process of coconut mare trees. Science has no explanation for how it works. So it could be that the trees uproot and fuck each other. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so Victorian-era General Charles George Gordon, who visited the Seychelles in 1881, believed that the islands were the home to the original Garden of Eden and that the Coco de Mer was the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, like, it wasn't mm. an apple. The fruit, because the Bible doesn't say what kind of fruit it is, he believed it was a Coco de Mer, not, like, the they thought it was a big butt. <laughs> he wrote the forbidden externally... Fruit. The Coco de Mer represents the belly and thighs, the true seed of carnal desires, which is a guy who's pretty horny for this trait.
0: He's an ass man.
1: He's an ass man. And you can kind of see where he gets the idea. <laughs> buttocks and thighs. But mm. Eve would have had a hell of a time hauling the nuts to Adam to eat, because those butt nuts can get as big as 65 pounds. Oh, Jesus. So it is a thick boy. And those are, that was the unexpected nudity from my research. my God. I'm never going to be the same. That is incredible. Post pictures on the Instagram, but please be aware if the post gets taken down because it looks like a dick in a bush, <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. In which case, you'll have to email spoophour at gmail.com and provide bits. proof that you're over 18 and send you <laughs> tree nudes.
0: Maybe we'll put it on the Twitter, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll just put it like a, a fuzzy censored version if you don't want to see like the full shape, and then we'll put an uncensored version. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: So I'm going to talk a little bit about ornamental plant lore. Which means, like, okay, what's an ornamental plant? That's the lore Hmm. of plants like herbs and shrubs and bushes and flowers. And then before I could even start my research, I was like, the fuck is the difference between a shrub and a bush? Couldn't tell ya. So, a shrub can be taller than a bush, but not as tall as a tree. And it will usually have thicker foliage than a regular bush. Also, typically, shrubs are groomed and pruned and shaped. Bushes are usually left to grow wild. Still doesn't okay. really help me because I feel like everything is always shaped like I've I mean yeah or left eras. to grow wild. Like
1: Yeah, you don't really leave anything to so, grow wild nowadays. So So are all shrubs bushes then? No, I
0: think they're two different things still.
1: Oh, so I thought for a second maybe it was like squares and rectangles. rectangles No, it's like they're they're still two different
0: things, I guess.
1: No, well, then I got nothing.
0: But I'm going to do more investigation. That was my cursory. I was like, that's good enough for me right now. I need to focus (laughs) on the magical properties of these things. (laughs) (laughs) Non-magical herbs and shrubs and bushes and flowers be damned. (laughs) So the first one I've got is the Lady's Mantle or Echimila mollis which is a super hardy garden plant that also will seed itself so that you don't have to do anything for it. It just goes. Yay, I love it. But it's got this very ornate cup-like leaf that is that will catch and collect beads of dew. And so, well before the 18th century in Europe, alchemists thought that there was something magical about this plant, and particularly that it would collect dew in, like, this little cup. And so, according to the Botanic Garden at the University of Oxford, the dew would be added to magic potions to, you know, various effects. But especially... To try and turn base me- metals into gold, hence the name alchemilla. Oh, yeah, alchemy. Cool. Yeah. So this was like the alchemy plant. Love it. it doesn't actually turn things into gold, but nothing that's, does. Nothing but that's does. Fine. But that's fine. <laughs> All right, I've got another one called Mullein or Hags Taper or the Candlewick Plant.
1: Fun. Hags Taper is what I call myself, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the the name
0: is originally derived from Latin for the word soft, because of its downy, velvety leaves. So it's a very Aww. soft plant.
1: Oh, give it a snuggle. So soft.
0: Um, Ooh. Ooh-woo. Ooh-woo. <laughs> it can also be known as the candlewick plant or hag's taper because these woolly soft plants that, you know, can grow up to six feet tall would be cut up and then dipped in fat to be lit as cape, uh, tapers or candle wicks. Oh. Yeah. And then also the leaves would be removed and sometimes used as floor coverings or insoles of shoes because they were so soft. And it's also super useful, and it's still sometimes used today among herbalists as a home remedy, because its leaves and flowers contain anti-inflammatory and uh, demulcent compounds, including polysaccharides, saponins, and glycosides, which are said to be especially helpful against cough and lung issues.
1: Oh, Sounds traditional, give like me some of this
0: plant. Right, I was gonna say traditional use indicates very strong effects from it, but medical research on the effects is a little bit weak. It's like mm-hmm. not widely seen, but more of like among home remedy home remedyists and herbalists. Mm-hmm. But in a more magical use, lighting a hag's taper was also said to ward off bad witches or bad sorcery, like evil spells and that kind of thing, and then you would use the dried fluff from the leaves and stems to make like magical candles. Uh, It's also a superstition that witches would also use the tapers themselves for practicing magic. So, either or.
1: (laughs) thus hag's taper, that makes sense. Yep.
0: Next is rue, which is also known as the herb of grace. It's sacred in many cultures and religions and used in a lot of rituals over the over the centuries. This small this plant has small yellow flowers and the leaves are kind of like a bluish gray color and it can grow from anywhere between 1 and 3 feet high. And it functions as a natural pesticide in the garden and it will protect other plants from like unhelpful bugs. Love it. It's really potent, like, aromatically, and also very bitter. And because of this, it was also used during the plague to try to help prevent the spread, because oh. it would repel fleas, with which carried the disease. You know, we always talk about, like, plague rats and whatever, and it wasn't the rats, it was the fleas. The fleas bit the rats, and yeah, so yeah. Like, this plant was used to try to, to get, rid f- get rid of the fleas. fleas yeah. Okay. rue is also used as a healing herb, where you would put the leaves of the plant directly on the area of illness. So if you have a headache, you put it on your head.
1: Head-on! Oh. Apply directly <laughs> Apply to the forehead. For the forehead. Do they head-on? Head on?
0: I don't know. But now I'm wondering if head-on is just made out of rue. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe. Also, Rue is the name of the little girl whose death will make uh, you cry the most in the Hunger Games.
0: Chekhov's Gunning. <laughs> Chekhov's Gunning. Rue. Gun Ru. <laughs> I don't have much to say about her except that she's she's, she's in Hunger and Games. And has
1: never done anything wrong. Yeah, in she never her did life. anything
0: wrong in her entire life, and that's why we love her. Mm-hmm. Also, if you smell Rue, it will clear your mind and improve your mental focus.
1: And it I feel c- like that could just be a fancy way of saying it stinks, because, like, once you smell something really stinky, like, nothing else is in your head. You're just thinking about how stinky that yep. plant is.
0: <laughs> you can also use it in your bath to break curses or hexes against you. Useful. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> It's believed that it protects against the evil eye, werewolves, and poisons. So, yeah, if you if you wash like at home, you can protect against all ills and protect other people who live within. If you want to clean your house with it too, just like really, really protect yourself. (laughs) Yeah, and. Whole bushes of the plants were used in the 16th century in churches to sprinkle holy water on parishioners. And oh. that's part of, like, it's being a sign of repentance or saving grace of God.
1: I mean, not to dunk on the Catholic Church too much, but that almost assuredly means that it stinks.
0: Yeah. I was also like going to say. If you've ever been
1: inside a Catholic church that is doing a smelly ritual, you know the smell I am talking yeah. about.
0: <laughs> and also, as far as Hippocrates, rue was also used for other me- me- uh, medicinal purposes, like to treat cramps, spasms, pain, and coughs. And okay. it was also used in the Four Thieves vinegar, which was a famous but very secret concoction made in the Middle Ages, which allowed thieves to plunder precious. Belongings from the dead who had succumbed to the plague, all without getting sick themselves. So oh, they would like drink this They'd, vinegar like, to like protect themselves, and then go do criminal shit. It's a, like and the rainbow get, star in Mario, yeah, where
1: do, you hit do, you hit the do, little do, rainbow do, thing, and, do, do, and then you can do, 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 do whatever you want. Do, do, you're not gonna die. Do, do, yeah. Fuck everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But also <laughs> the name Rue. So the where have we heard this before? Well, one if you Rue something. It oh, means that okay. you have deep regret that something happened, and that word came from this plant because also touching it can
1: be kind of irritating. Oh, I have deep regret I touched that plant. I love yeah. it.
0: <laughs> also, William Shakespeare uses, that, uses the plant as the word rue, like, to rue the day and to rue all that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of William Shakespeare's thing. But he... The, the plant also pops up in a li- lot of Willie Shakes's plays, including the scene with the flowers and Ophelia in Hamlet, where she's, like, passing out different plants to everyone. And also, Rue from the Hunger Games, rest in peace.
1: Yay! Pour one out for Rue. Pour one out for Rue. I did, I, this is gonna be um, it, it's going to make me sound really stupid. I did wonder when we first met Rue in The Hunger Games, I was like, this is going to be really interesting. If Katniss dies protecting Rue, the book can transition to being Rue's perspective. Mm. like Because it's a it's a first-person POV. And I was like, that would be a really interesting but thing. But then they killed Rue. that is not what happened. Nope. So, All right, Rest Lisa. in peace. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. I Rue
1: Roo, Rue's death, so it's fine.
0: Yeah. We've also got uh, Foxglove. Like, the little foxgloves,
1: like like the poison
0: yeah like the like the poison yep
1: digitalis yeah yeah I digitalis genus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah it can be used as a drug or a poison sure so it is used in some heart medicine still because digitalin is a cardiac gly- a glycoside that can be extracted from the plant and help study rapid heartbeats and
1: arrhythmias
0: um, in very small doses like, oh, we're not going to yeah, yeah, yeah. poison them. We're just going <laughs> to.
1: There's an episode of Psych where somebody gets killed with Digitalis, and it's because, one, the person had like foxglove growing in their yard, and two, it's because they were already on like heart medication. Oh. So it wouldn't show up in the talk screen because they were on Digitalis already. <sighs> so it's like, okay, it's just their Digitalis, whatever. Amazing. So
0: that is. Shout quite out to murder. the show Psych. <laughs> but yeah, like, you can use this as a po- poison because. They can be highly toxic, and you want to keep them away from pets and small children. I planted a foxglove last summer, and now I you am don't not have doing it that you have a dog. again because <laughs> yeah. I have a
1: small dog who will eat things that she shouldn't. <laughs> right?
0: And why is it called foxgloves? Foxes don't wear gloves. I mean, as far as we know, fancy foxes do. A fantastic, Mr. Fox does probably.
1: Probably when he's driving, he seems like a fancy mofo. He is a
0: fancy mofo. But the name is recorded in England as far back as the 14th century and is a possible distortion for folk's glove, like the glove of people. Okay. One theory is that good folk is the name sometimes used for fairies. And yeah, I was going to
1: say, the Fair Folk is also used for fairies. Yeah, and
0: so these little beings were said to live inside the foxglove flowers per- and could be responsible for their potencies, you know, both good and yeah, bad. Yeah,
1: because they could also be little shits. They could be little <laughs> shits,
0: right? And because the blooms are heliotropic and they like to follow the light, basically mm-hmm. it would be said that when fairies were, you know, really believed in, the plant was t- said to be, like, moving towards any fairy that could be a fairy person oh. that could be passing by. So, like, if the plant is moving, so like, it's indicating that there's a fairy that way. Yeah. Gotcha. Isn't that okay. crazy?
1: Fairies. That I love fairies. I do, too. They can be little shits. So, if shits. any fairies are listening to this podcast, please don't curse us. We love you. Yeah, we love you. No hungry grass for us, please. No hungry grass.
0: A couple more plants. Borage is a kind of sprawling plant that has star-shaped blossoms of blue and purple. Mm. And they are one of the strongest charms to bring courage, fortitude, and protection to anyone who carries them. You can nice. harvest it and then dry a few flowers and then place them in like a little medicine bag or a pouch and carry it when you need strength and bravery. It also can enhance psychic abilities if you drink it as a tea. Ooh. So your nice. mileage may vary, but that sounds like a really nice little what you charm have? to... What? With you. Yeah, what
1: if you have no psychic abilities? Like, I wonder if it'll just give you a little like, bit of
0: psychic ability.
1: Yeah, or is it gonna be like a multiple of zero is zero? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Then there's also sink foil, and the five leaves of this plant represent love, money, health, power, and wisdom. And basically, if you carry it, it'll grant those virtues.
1: Did you catch sink foil? Is it C I N Q? Yeah, sink or sink like five. Yeah. mm mm-hmm. yep. yeah Yep. A lot of French this a lot of episode. French today, yeah.
0: And foil, <laughs> if you think
1: about like... A, like a quatrefoil? Quatrefoil or oh, four four leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Suck my dick, I'm a queen of French. French. I'm so sorry to our listeners who actually I speak French. French and know that is not true. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sink, sank sank foil. Uh, yeah. But yeah, sink, sank sunk. <laughs> traditionally, this this five-leaf potentilla, uh, yeah, so it represents these five, you know, great Things And so it's hung on doors for protection or used by the bed to provide restful sleep. And then if you can find a sprig that has seven of these five, five leafs things, mm-hmm. you can use it as a charm to put under your pillow to encourage dreams of a future lover. Oh. Potentilla can also wash away hexes or curses if you use it to bathe your hands and forehead. And when it's carried, it's believed to increase eloquence and enhance the ability to convince people to your point of view, making it a great ally if you go to court or need to convince someone to like give you a raise or do or really a anything. Or job interview. Or a job interview. Like, yeah, you hold yeah, it pop with you. Yeah, that in your pocket. Yeah. So that's that plant. And then That's a handy plant. That's a handy plant. And it has 5 Like a hand? Like a handy? Ah, Yeah.
1: ah. Ah, There we go. Not to be confused with the handies that you might give the sexy tree. Oh, Jesus God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then there's mugwort, which we could probably end up talking about again when we talk about food. But this is an herb that's easy to grow and grows in large clumps. And it opens your third eye and our ability to access our deepest intuition. It can also, again, strengthen psychic abilities... Not sure if the multiple of zero is zero or if it just adds it's additive. If you if you get a little bit right. Is it a multiplier or is it an additive? (laughs) And you can also use it to wash the hands or tools of someone who's performing divination, like before you read the tarot or use a pendulum. A mugwort, mug are often used in dream pillows as well to induce lucid dreaming and inspire messages from the universe so that you can like receive knowledge and messages if you sleep with it on your pillow. Vervain is another sacred plant that also has these like kind of bluish purple flowers, um, but they're spikier. And it'll date back to Rome when it used to be used to wash the altars to Jupiter and crowns of this uh, flower were placed on the heads of Druid initiates. It's been used for centuries in things like love spells and love potions, and was also, you could hang it in your home to protect against storms and lightning. It brings peace to the home if you sprinkle it around the house, and if you put fresh sprigs of it on the dinner table, conversation will remain calm and non-confrontational. So you want to keep things very very peaceful.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that Yeah. also I believe I mentioned a while ago mm-hmm. I watched the vampire diaries mm-hmm. that was the trash show that I watched <laughs> I watched all 8 goddamn seasons of that show mm-hmm. and they use vervain as a vampire repellent so I'm very interested to learn that while vervain is a real plant it's not used in any capacity to ward off vampires yeah I didn't doings. have
0: anything about vampires when I was looking at
1: this plant but, that's but interesting. also that doesn't
0: mean that I haven't looked into it for vampire that's usage that's true
1: it could, it could be true but yeah. like seems sus huh you we'll can, put it in the same sass column.
0: Also, you can make charms of Vervain to attract money. And Ooh. if you, this is how I want to use it. They say if you Rape. put it in a dream or if you use it in a dream pillow, it'll give you a dreamless sleep. Oh, please, that's, for the love of God. That's what I want. I am so tired of dreaming.
1: I will take the dreamless sleep. Yeah, please Vervain, <laughs> please.
0: Also, if you juice it, it's said to awaken your psychic ability. So maybe we don't have psychic abilities, so we'll drink the vervain. We'll drink the vervain
1: and then do the psychic multiplier. Yeah.
0: If you put a sprig in a baby cradle, it will glant, grant the baby a lifetime of wisdom and happiness. Start taking okay. notes about, like, things to, like, we gotta <laughs> start collecting things for a future baby.
1: Say, when you have your baby shower, I'm gonna get you the weirdest fucking gift that's just all of the, like, folklore All baby the folkloric
0: shit. baby shit. And,
1: you're gonna open it in front of your relatives and they're gonna be like, What the fuck? No, all of <laughs> them gonna be like, Happy no, baby.
0: I was gonna say, do you know my family? We would all they would all be that's like, true. Oh my god, that's so cool. My mom your sees immediate ghosts. Family would. Yes, but I don't know about your
1: extended family. <laughs> I don't know how cool your extended family oh, yeah, I don't is know. about like I think my extended family shit. might be
0: like, What is that? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but my immediate family would be <laughs> Too like, <bad>. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> let's see what else what else and then also an old myth relates that vervain can determine if a sick person will live or die if you put the plant against the patient and ask them how they feel <laughs> a positive <laughs> answer will lead to a positive outcome and negative answer may lead to a poor one so it's like how do you feel
1: bad you're
0: gonna die
1: <laughs> no it sucks to be you then bruh yarrow is
0: this plant that has like very feather-like leaves and mm-hmm has been called referred to as like chipmunk tail by native americans in ancient china the red dried stalks were used for divination and then the druids would use the ste- the stems to forecast the weather so this is like a you know very widely available plant across the world Um, But these days, Yarrow is still believed to enhance clairvoyance and psychic powers if you place it under your pillow, and it will bring you prophetic dreams of your true love. So it helps you open up your divination powers to find your love.
1: Honestly, Any of these dreams are a better alternative to the dreams that That I currently have. If you could just give me, like, Like, good
0: dreams or no dreams.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, even the ones that are, like, future lovers, even if it's, like, blank because I'm in a committed relationship, I don't care. I will fucking take it, man. It just shows, like, an (laughs)
0: older version of your current partner. Yeah,
1: that's fine. Don't care. Just so long as he's not like, well, we have to move all the furniture out and we're going to miss our flight out of London in 20 minutes. And you already missed your earlier flight. And also the executive director wants to know why you're not working the front desk and you don't have a mask on and we're in a crowd. So as long as he's not doing that, I'm going to be golden. Right. Yarrow can also,
0: again, this is another really positive herb. It can bring you courage and strength and also help protect you against injury during a great battle. Ooh. whatever that battle may be. <laughs> so, and then finally, we got white sage. I'm not going to skip over white sage. Classic. It's generally known for its uses as a smudging herb, right? We think about like burning it and lighting the smoke mm-hmm. and purifying something. So white We're sage. We're about you
1: in the little wiggle. Yeah,
0: doing the little wiggle with the hand. White sage has been used for hundreds of years by Native Americans and other indigenous people on the North American continent and South America. But, this sacred ritual, like the burning of this, will purify the air of both spiritual and physical negativity. Can also help to lift your spirits, reduce stress, alleviate and alleviate anxiety and depression. So, like if you've ever smelled white sage that's been burned, it does. It like actually feels really good, and it's it. I don't I don't know how to explain it, but like it does, like it's a nice cal- smell. It kind of is very calming. Besides sage, other plants are burned like tobacco, sweet grass and cedar in all kinds of indigenous practice. And then also you can, it's very common to find across the world other cultures that do have the, like you know, similar smoke cleansing or burning rituals, mm-hmm. but they use maybe different herbs or resins or sacred objects. I'm thinking like even specifically about the practice of burning incense at an altar mm-hmm. in, in practice in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to go into a, 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 a butt nut
1: I was going to butt nut in. So
0: So because of its more recent popularity among non-Indigenous people, white sage has basically been drastically over-harvested in the wild. So if you are going to use this, white sage is very easy to grow on your own, so grow your own. Basically, this commercial harvest of wild white sage populations is a huge concern among many Native American groups, herbalists, and conservationists. Basically, companies and people, especially non-Indigenous groups that sell white sage need to know that there's basically a line that's being crossed when Mm -hmm. they're choosing to sell sacred items like this. A couple years ago... There was this huge bust of people sneaking onto like a nature preserve that was also on indigenous land and stealing white sage. They stole like four hundred pounds of white sage over time. Oh my god! So it was a lot. And so basically, like, like don't do that, right? And make sure you know where your white sage is coming from if you are choosing to buy it from someone else instead of like you know growing your own. And according to this organizer of an indigenous medicine walk, that was. In Toronto, Canada, Corey Snache, who is uh, Anishinaabe from Chippewas of Rama Min. Minjiknini First Nation. He was interviewed by Huffington Post Canada, and pointed out during this interview that people who utilize sage spiritually have a very different concept of what sage is, and that should be respected. It is deep-rooted with medicinal and spiritual understandings that are reinforced with teachings passed down through generations. So basically, if you're going to use white sage, know what you're doing doing. and also why you're doing it. Like, basically acknowledge the indigenous people, like, in your practice and then make your own because actually drying white Like, white sage is very, very, very easy to grow. You can just grow Mm -hmm. on your own and it spreads. So... Yeah. Just grow your own and understand, like, what you're doing and why you're doing it as well. Like, you're not just going woo woo with it and like yeah, you you want to know like what's the purpose behind it and so mm-hmm. so that's it about white sage so it's not saying that you can't the, the interviews I was reading was that you can't it's not that you can't burn it or you can't sell it it's just like make sure you know what you're doing and why you're doing mm-hmm. it and you're educating people and also not stealing white sage that is being grown by indigenous people and yeah, then selling don't it. don't do that.
1: Yeah and also like I assume <sighs> you know If it feels like where you're shopping is an Urban Outfitters type store Mm -hmm. and you see some white sage, that's probably not ethically sourced white sage. So maybe don't buy that white sage. So don't buy that white
0: sage. (laughs) That's not the white sage that you're looking for.
1: No, you want good vibes white sage. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. So So that's that's it. We've scratched the surface of plant folklore. Plants.
0: Who knew? We didn't.
1: Yeah, who knew? If we didn't cover your favorite plant folklore story or your tell favorite us. magic plant... Point us in tell directions. Us. Yeah, we're we're great at reading and responding to stuff. So email SpoopHour at gmail.com. Contact us on Twitter or Instagram where we're at SpoopHour. We check our DMs. I think they're open. But if they're not, like, I get the little notification if somebody who we don't follow messages us. And I'm pretty good about responding. Yeah, so
0: even the people who want...
1: Want us to be spokespeople for... Testicle trim, waxing, waxing services testicle, or yeah. something.
0: Yeah, testicle hair
1: trimming, and it yeah. was like, we'll look at it. What If what? you're like, will they, will they like what I'm about to message them? Ask yourself, am I on the same level as the person who asked them to be spokespeople for the testicle waxing thing? If the answer is no, you're not on that same level, you're good to DM us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, contact us. Tell us your favorite plants. You know, tell us your plant magic stories, eee. your favorite myth involving plants. A if- weird
0: time that you touched a plant that you probably shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, and if you rued that day. Yeah, one time I went
0: hiking in Northern California on the land that my uncle and his friends own, and I slipped and fell on a high, steep incline and landed in a very pokey, very ouchy, very itchy shrub. And then I took to Benadryl and passed out at the campsite.
1: (laughs) There was one time in college, thankfully... It wasn't hungry grass, but like my skin is super sensitive. So it's probably mm-hmm. just that, not something specific. There's one time where we were just like laying out on the quad, like just, you know, we yeah. weren't like sunning ourselves. We weren't out there for ages. We just like sat down on the quad and I just like flopped over. And we were only sitting for like 15 minutes. And by the time I stood up, I had a rash from whatever I sat in on the mm-hmm. grass. <laughs> so yeah, tell us your fun plant stories. You know, if you know why we kiss under mistletoe, if your mom also said that when you knock on wood, you're scaring away the demons out of the wood. Email spuber at gmail dot com. Talk to us. Tell us your plant stuff. Tell us your regular stuff. Just tell us stuff.
0: Tell us everything.
1: Yeah. And burn sage responsibly.